Would you like to find out how to align your life with God's best? I'm Lisa Pulliam, founder of More To Be and host of this podcast. And I believe that the more we seek God and study His Word, the more He'll transform us to become like Jesus and equip us to impact this world with kingdom hope. That's what a life aligned with His best looks like. And that's our mission at More To Be, to become more like Jesus. This episode is sponsored by our More To Be Sisterhood. You can join the sisterhood at academy.moretobe.com and get access to a library of biblically-based resources and coaching opportunities. We are so grateful for our sisters from around the world who make this podcast possible. And now let's jump into this episode of the More To Be podcast and seek God to equip us to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus every day. On this episode, I am joined by my special sisters in Christ who are part of the More To Be Coach Network. The More To Be Coach Network is set apart for the women who go through the life coach training that we offer at More To Be, and then they join the network to be supported in their growth process as they're launching their coaching practices. And it's become such a great community of connection. These are my sisters in Christ who I get to learn from. So we have a monthly mastermind group, and oftentimes I find myself in the recipient end as I'm listening to their wisdom, or when we do coffee with the coaches, I get to hear their stories and their perspectives as they answer your questions. And I thought, how fun would it be to do a couple episodes with each of the more to be coaches? So on today's episode, we are covering the topic, the very important topic of when quitting is the best option. Uh, How do you know when you should quit uh, a ministry, a job, a friendship, a passion? How do you know when God has released you and has said it is okay to move on? And so today I have with me uh, three ladies that I want to each have take just a moment to introduce themselves before we jump into the topic. So Carly, if you would just uh, say hello and let us know a little bit about yourself. And then Mona Jean will have you go next. And Kimberly, we'd have you bring up the rear here with a little introduction. Hi, Lisa. Um, I'm Carly Weber. I'm mom to four little kids that I stay home with, and I'm a life coach. So glad to have you here with us. And when did you finish your coach training? Do you remember? I finished, I believe it was in March. Wow. Yeah. And you're rocking and rolling with clients already. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Okay. Mona Jean. Hi girls. Um, I'm Mona Jean Rose. I live in the UP of Michigan. That's the upper peninsula. I just finished my life coaching, got my certificate in uh, the beginning of August. And I am a mother to two adult children and a grandmother to a little two and a half year old. And I'm excited to be here. Yeah, love having you here. And and you have a unique story in that you have embraced outdoor adventure in the later part of your life, right? I have. I learned to put a 40-pound pack on my back and hike for four days or five days with women of like age and minds, and it's been empowering. It is. I remember that was the first thing I, that impressed me when we when we met over training. I was like, this woman's my hero. <laughs> so so glad you're here. Kimberly, would you uh, go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Kimberly Dunham, and I finished up my life coaching training in June, and it was an amazing experience. I have seven kids. 
I have five girls and two boys. I have eight grandkids, six girls and two boys. Uh, the youngest was born Monday. Wow. So a brand new newbie and really excited about Apollo. Apollo David is his name and I, I get to go see him in a few weeks. So I'm excited about that. That is awesome. I love that you're here with us. I love hearing your parenting stories and, and the truths that God has revealed to you over your journey, which has not been easy uh, from what you've shared with me. I'm sure we'll hear a little bit about that today. So the reason I wanted to cover this topic about quitting is that I think there's a lot of shame around it uh, for women, especially Christian women who are kind of commissioned with this like Proverbs 31 mindset that they're supposed to be all things and do all things and the tightest two women and you, you're supposed to love others like Jesus loves them. And so how as a believer, do you ever know when there's a distinct finish line and can embrace that confidently? Uh, it's been a struggle for me and I, I have shared a number of times that I tend to be a starter. Uh, I love getting things going. I love fixing things and, and launching things out there, but not necessarily a sustainer. So more to be and coach training are kind of the two things besides my marriage and my motherhood that I've done the longest and it's nothing short of God's grace. But I do have this ever um, clear pattern of being part of things and then not being part of things and other aspects of my life. And so one example that comes to mind for me was I, I definitely responded to the Lord's call to step into a role to um, carry on a women's ministry. It was a conference that existed on Long Island for many years, and the conference team was folding. They just all felt like they couldn't do it any longer. And the Lord had been prompting my heart for a long time about this organization and praying for this organization. And as God would have it, I ended up in a conversation that led to another conversation that led to another situation and took on leadership of this conference. And I just thought, like, my vision was forever. I would take over this conference and I would lead it forever. Why wouldn't I, right? Uh, and literally the weekend of the conference, when I stood up in front of those women and said, God has called me to the people, the women of Long Island, my husband was interviewing for a job in another state with this and I'm standing in front of these women. And instead I, in the secret places of my heart, I'm like, I may not even be on this Island in a year from now. Uh, and sure enough, uh, God relocated us three months later. And so I continued to lead that conference from afar for another year. And it was, it was really like my fists were flailing at God because the reason why I'd said yes to the conference in the first place was I wanted to do in-life ministry with women. I wanted to be in the same room with the people that I was working with and serving alongside. I was tired of online ministry. And so, you know, I had that for six months and then whammo, uh, I'm now <laughs> in another state. And I'm back to communicating to all these people who are in person together, but I'm online instead of with them. And that I said, Lord, what is the deal here? How do I know if I'm supposed to just continue to do this? You've appointed me, you've gifted me, you've brought the people together to make it happen. How do I know that I'm supposed to step down from this? And I was at a, a women's Bible study and my friend got up and shared her testimony about being foster mom to her son. 
uh, and the process of leading to the adoption of that child. And there was something about hearing her explain the process and I, I realized I was foster mom to this conference. I was the bridge to keep this conference afloat and to pass the baton from who was leading it to who would be taking it on next. And I realized in that moment that there is a purpose and place for the seasons that God appoints us to in terms of sometimes relationships, you know, friendships, sometimes jobs, sometimes ministries. And then our gifts and talents can be really well used in those situations. And then a time could come when it's, Beth Moore said this in a Bible study once, it's a divine setup to step up. And in order for somebody to step up, somebody has to step down. And so I, um, at, at that time and at another point in my life when I've, I've had two more times in which God has had me walk away from ministries. And those times haven't been as clear in terms of my foster role, but it's been clear in terms of the need for rest and that I have, I've served hard to maintain something for a season. And then he calls me into a season of rest and, and withdrawing. And so there's a Bible passage I want to share um, in regards to that. And the, the interesting thing is it popped up this morning again after not seeing it for quite some time in my quiet time. And it comes from Jeremiah uh, chapter 6, um, verse 16. Uh, this is what the Lord said, stand, stand by the roadways and look, ask about the ancient paths, which is the way to what is good, then take it and find rest for yourselves but they protested we won't. And so, I mean, that's just a short little verse, but I find myself looking at that passage and saying, have I taken the time to pay attention to the ancient pathways, to the, the road that God has caused me to travel along and from others who have already traveled before me that I can learn from. And, and that is what I hope that you guys are gonna be able to bring to our listeners today as you share your stories that are very different of what have you learned as you've traveled the pathway that God has had you on? Uh, and then which is the way to what is good? Like there is a point that can be pretty extended in our decision-making about deciding to step down from something of, is this right or is this wrong? And in that season, it requires lots of prayer, evaluating the motives of our heart, sometimes going to therapy, sometimes hiring a coach, Sometimes seeking counsel outside of your normal circle because they'll have a bias or an invested interest in whatever decision you make and then take it. And, and, and then this, this other part and find rest for yourselves. When we make those decisions, I, I, I think it's really important to take a season of rest before jumping into something else. And that is sort of the hardest part <laughs> is to because there's a grieving and there's a loss and there's the temptation to replace what has been removed with something else. Um, there's a, a shame factor potentially that you want to cover by saying, but look, I'm doing this instead, so I'm good enough, right? And so uh, I, I've kind of done this for myself of saying, when there's a step down, there has to be a season of rest for a couple of months before I start into the next thing. 
And that gives me a chance. It's like, you know, sorbet at a fancy meal, cleansing the palate. So that's kind of my application point there. I'd love, before we jump into Carly hearing your story, I'd love to hear if any of you guys have like thoughts about that or something that you would add to that. Uh, Mona Jean, did I, did I see you? You yeah. did. In fact, um, I can so relate to the season of rest. Um, my story that I'll share uh, when it's my turn, I, I can so relate to the need for rest and then to take that, um, or the need to step down and then to take that season of rest before I do anything else. Yeah. Totally can relate to that. And uh, without guilt and without shame, that was, that was a struggle. That is a struggle. It is because when you're used to giving and leading and showing up for something, having that found time, it's like, Ooh, what do I do with that? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I've often said that um, it's not coincidental that the word restoration has the word rest in the front side of it. Oh yes. Yeah. Um, I can't think of where the, the, verses, but um, rest is something God did after he created. Yeah. You know, for the six days of creation, he, he rested on the yeah. Sabbath. Um, yeah. Us like, like God, we need our rest too. Yeah. It's restorative. Well, I am looking forward to hearing your story, but we're going to, we already had decided because uh, we're so formal here. Right. <laughs> so Carly, what has been your experience with having to quit and having to step down? Uh, yeah, so my experience with having to quit is actually um, a story about divorce. Um, when I was 30, I found myself um, married with three kids. We'd been married for almost 10 years and I discovered that my ex-husband was having an affair. Mm. And, you know, initially I did like everything I could think of to try to save our marriage. Um, and that's what I thought God wanted. I thought we were going to have this, you know, that story of mm -hmm. redemption and restoration. Um, and at a certain point it was, it was coming to an end and um, reconciling that for me in my mind and my heart, growing up in a Christian home, growing up in church, you know, divorce was, I mean, it was just not an option. That's mm -hmm. what I believed. That's what I was taught. Um, and so for me, it felt like the end of my entire life. You know, it was the end of, of everything. And I'd spent 10 years building this life. I got married pretty young. So it was my entire adult life. Mm -hmm. um, it was a, a home, a family, a community all built around this marriage. So it felt to me like the end of everything. Mm -hmm. um, and at a certain point, uh, God gave me the verse in Joel 2.25 that says, so I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. And that's what it felt like. It felt like my whole life was just destruction, you know, like it was all a waste. Everything I poured into it was, was for nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, and after reading that verse, I realized that it wasn't the end. It was just an end. Mm -hmm. um, and I hear a lot of women uh, who I talk with that are facing divorce and they feel that same way. Like my life is over. I'm done. I'm too old. I, you know, there's not any good left for me. God can't possibly use me anymore. Um, and so 
that verse just helped me change my view and realize that God had plans for me. He had more for me. He had good gifts to give me and he had ways to use me. Um, some that, you know, like this one, I wouldn't be here doing this if I hadn't gotten divorced and I wouldn't be able to help other women, um, going through that same thing. So, um, yeah, that verse just really, every once in a while, I come across it again and I look at my life and the good things that I have in my life and I'm remarried and I have another daughter uh, now and um, just the places that I've lived and the things that I've done and there's just been so much restoration. Mm. Um, so that's nice. been really amazing to see. I'm so glad you shared your story and, and I have a question that I'm sure there are women that are on the other side of this uh, podcast mm -hmm. wondering like how long did it take for you to begin to see the redemption from mm -hmm. from the you know from the day say you decided okay I'm gonna go through with this divorce until you kind of feel like you came up for air and had that first breath mm -hmm. of redemption mm -hmm. what was that um you know I think I started to see a vision for that fairly quickly I had friends encouraging me saying, you know, God's not done with you. And so right in the beginning, I could see kind of a vision for, okay, okay, there's more life after this. Um, but like you said, there was that period of, of grieving. Um, and there's a lot of grief with a divorce. And um, so I would say it was a couple of years before the overriding theme was restoration versus grief, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but there was also small ways I could see um, that restoration even throughout those years, those yeah. early years when I was still grieving and transitioning. Um, what did you do to get the support you needed? I heard you say friends. That mm -hmm. was, that's awesome. Yeah. That, how did you find support for yourself? Um, People in my church were very supportive. Some of our pastors, um, sometimes pastors don't have a ton of experience with divorce. Right. And so it's kind of important to find um, either a counselor or a pastor who, who does have experience dealing with those situations. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it took a lot of humility because I needed a lot of help just in practical ways even. So allowing people to you know, help me take care of my kids or bring me food or say, hey, I'm gonna fix your car for free. Um, mm -hmm. just, or asking for it when I needed help. Um, you know, there was a lot of that. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm glad you said that because that also is a reminder to us as the church that we're called to offer emotional support and practical support. And I mm -hmm. think that, I think there's still a stigma for women, Christian yes. women who have experienced Absolutely. divorce, even if there is what, you know, the grounds of adultery, there's right. still that stigma. And I think the way to kind of break that stigma is showing up. Mm -hmm. And so you described some very practical ways that we can yeah. show up. And, yeah. And it definitely felt like a failure, failure mm -hmm. to me, um, which I think quitting often feels like a failure. Like, Oh, I couldn't pull it off. I couldn't save this thing on my own. Um, and I, I began to see it as um, more of a handing it over to God to allow him to do his work with this person and with my life um, yeah. rather than a failure on my part. It was God needing to step in and do his work and me 
releasing control of that. Yeah. That's a, that's a, I'm sure that was a process coming to that. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Right. That yeah. does sound like the end of the grieving, you know, the stages mm -hmm. of grief is that full surrender and acceptance, yeah. which just sounds like that's what you went through. Yeah. Uh, Mona Jean, Kimberly, do you guys have anything you want to share? Carly, I went through the same thing. Mm -hmm. I ended up divorced, have two children, an 18 month old and a nine year old. Wow. And um, that verse was my same um, mm. clinging to hope verse that God yes. would restore the years because it was a 14 year marriage. Mm -hmm. um, and he has, I've been remarried for 29 years to a godly wow. man whom my children consider their dad. Yeah, that's amazing. Been awesome. Yeah. God's mm -hmm. good. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Carly, I can relate to you when you talk about grieving and when you got to the end of the grieving process. When I got to the end of my grieving process through my divorce and everything, they talk about a sixth step, which is what's next. Mm -hmm. And that's where I was, was at the what's next. And it, you've talked about your next steps, which is your remarriage, your new baby, and having a full life that God has blessed you with after going through the trial by fire, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I love how the redemption of you came about. Can you talk a little bit about how you changed in that process? Mm -hmm. How he redeemed you as a person yeah, and made sure. you whole again? Mm -hmm. um, I would say that my life was pretty characterized by worry and fear and anxiety. Um, and you would think that, you know, kind of one of your worst fears coming true would reinforce being fearful. Um, but it kind of made me realize that the worst can actually happen to me and I, I can be okay. Mm -hmm. That God still took care of me. I was all right. My kids were all right. Um, and so I think I released a lot of control. Um, and realized a lot of things I was trying to hold on to that were God's job and God's responsibility and not mine. Mm. Less fear and uh, more surrender to letting God do his job rather than me trying to do God's job for him. <laughs> so. That's awesome. Great question, Kimberly. That, I mean, that just like cuts right there and, and gives you a keeper, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it really does. It does. Okay, so Mona Jean, continue on this on this <laughs> theme of of restoration and what happens maybe after the quitting. Well, um, I uh, am a musician, piano, and was involved in the music ministry at at two different churches. Over, the, over a period of, I'm going to say, 20 years. I, I can't even tell you how long. And, um, you know, music changes. It's not church changes, but the music changes. And I found myself, after all these years in, in transitioning music, that um, I wasn't enjoying participating. I wasn't... Um, enjoying playing the piano or the keyboard. And I found myself becoming 
resentful of, mm-hmm. of being on the stage with others. Um, I found myself feeling shame and stress because I, I think I was reaching burnout. Mm. Um, so I wanted to quit, but yet, oh, how could I? I was involved in the church. This was a God worship position. And how could I step away from that? Um, I, I really struggled with the guilt and the shame for a while. Mm-hmm. And um, I felt that I needed to, to take that break. I needed to find a way out. And so I felt like this was a mountain that I could not get over. I could not find a way around. And um, I was losing sleep. I struggled because it was my gift and my talent. You know, I knew that God mm-hmm. had given it to me. But like you had said earlier, Lisa, that there's a season for... Um, for things in your life and then perhaps I needed rest after after 20 years of doing this so I prayed and I prayed and though I never heard of life coaching if I had I would have sought that that was a thing so I love that <laughs> look at where I am now so the verse that finally um, gave me the freedom was in Deuteronomy 2.3, you have circled this mountain long enough. And that was exactly how I felt like I had been just going around in a circle. Mm-hmm. And the, the rest of the verse says, now turn north. Well, I still don't know what that means because you can't get any norther, norther <laughs> than where I live. But um, that was my freedom. And I, I let it go. It wasn't easy, but also God gave me confirmation in Isaiah where he says, do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. That's Isaiah 43, 18. So I felt confirmation and his blessing, even though I heard from people, why aren't you playing? Why aren't you up there? I miss your playing. Um, it was it was not an easy struggle, but I am free. That's awesome. It's such a very practical example that I'm I'm sure our listeners are are, are there are some that are saying, That's me. Like that's me. I've been circling the mountain and I, mm-hmm. I need I need to turn north in whatever direction north is. And, and you know, I think that there's some personalities that that have a kind of that loyalist side of things. I mean, you were doing it for 20 years. That's certainly your personality, a stewardship, you know, and it could be a, a culturally um, mm-hmm. ingrained mentality. It could yeah. easily uh, be a, a, you know, an upbringing, a generational thing. And so it, it's like, you have to go through this process of evaluation. Like, what is it that is, making me stay in this role. And so some of the things that I've done when I've struggled with that is I've sought counsel out from my closest friends who don't have anything invested in the process. And Mm -hmm. I've said to them, where do you see my wickedness? Where do you see my deceitfulness? Where, where is my agenda and motive self-serving here? Uh, Because that sometimes 
we can get caught in situations that I have a friend that used this expression of golden handcuffs. Well, if I step away from this, then I also lose X, Y, and Z. Right. And, and that mm -hmm. could become a, like, I don't want to lose that. What if, what if I lose my church body? What if I lose my time with my best friend? What if I lose this opportunity to use this space? And so we end up staying because we don't believe that God can provide in a different way. Right. And once I did step down, there are so many other people that have stepped up and mm. filled that position. Um, had I not done that, maybe they wouldn't be there. Yeah. 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 Kim or Carly, is anything you wanted to add to that? Mary Jean, what did you learn about yourself when you stepped down? I mean, that's a big step in anybody's life, stepping down. But then you, you find yourself with what next? So what did you do? How did you feel? What journey did you personally go on to reconcile yourself with having stepped down? Well, at one point, I, I had to even step away from the church. And I went elsewhere because that's how burned out. I was feeling. Um, and I really did not feel support from uh, people in the church. Not that I was asking for them uh, for that support. So I guess what I learned about myself was that I was, uh, I had an issue with false guilt and, and shame. And, and there's no real place for that in your life it's all false and it does nothing to, um, I don't know, brighten your day or <laughs> I can't think of the word. Um, I, I learned that it was okay to say no. Mm -hmm. um, that was always a hard issue for me. Mm -hmm. um, and that my guts were telling me one thing and that was to leave, to, to stop playing. Mm -hmm. Um, and yet the, the, I don't want to say martyr, but that alter ego was like, yeah, but who will do it? You know? So I learned that it is okay to say no, to take care of myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's good. Good. And you did list, like, I, I think, I think those who are listening should go back and re-listen to all the ways that you described burnout. Yes. <laughs> because you, you said quite you know, I don't want to take the time to relist it, but you said quite a few things that give pretty clear symptoms of burnout. And mm. those are red flags. They uh, are. That there either needs to be some fresh vision or uh, you need to turn north. <laughs> I turn north. <laughs> yeah. I got yeah. out of that rut. You know, when you circle that mountain enough times, there's a rut built and it was pretty deep. <laughs> it is deep, deep. And you know, the truth about a rut is that usually you can't get yourself out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You, you, you often will need a, a few pushes. Uh, was there anybody that pushed you to, to step out? The Lord. No. The Lord. No. Yeah. I, I seriously did not have um, any outside help. All right. Well, and so that's also, somebody needs to hear that right now, that they're yeah. looking for somebody else to do it for them, and the Lord wants to do it 
he and, and them personally. That's great. Good. Kimberly, bring us your story, woman. <laughs> oh, gosh, I don't know where to begin because these two women were fabulous. Um, I spent 32 years in corporate America. And I rose from the bottom as a secretary up to the top as the executive assistant to the president of five major organizations, Fortune 500 companies. So for 32 years, I had a, a great run in corporate America. And in 2016, that came to an end. I found myself unemployed unemployable to the point that I lost everything that I had. I lost my job. I lost my house, my car, my kids, my self-respect, my dignity. But I did not lose peace. Mm. And I know that that has people wondering, well, if you lose all of that, how can you have peace? Mm -hmm. My verse was Matthew 6.33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these blessings shall be added to you. Mm -hmm. I sought the Lord. I, I got on my knees. I got face forward, hands up in the air. Just, I mean, I just displayed myself before him and said, God, where am I going? How am I going to get there? What is it that you want me to do? Because I had no idea. Over that 32 years in corporate America, I raised 10 children. I got my bachelor's degree. I got my master's degree. I worked full time doing that. I have three kids with special needs, but I was still able to work full time and support them after I got a divorce from an abusive marriage. I had gone through a lot in that 32 years, but I'd always had God's guidance and I always leaned on him and that's how I had made it through. But I was the sole provider for the family for the majority of the time. I was a responsible one. Even when I was married, I made more than my husband. I made you know sure everything got taken care of. And so it was, difficult to realize all of a sudden that I'm not in control. I can't pay these bills. I can't live this lifestyle. When I left corporate America, I was making over six figures. Mm -hmm. So then how do you go from a six figure lifestyle and income to no lifestyle, no income? Mm -hmm. I remember the day that they came and took everything away. We put it in storage. We took the last load over, my small community group and I. They helped me clean out the house. We took the last load. And as we stepped out of the storage facility, the sky opened up and it started to rain. Hmm. And I tilted my head back and I looked up at the Lord and I said, God, this is the new beginning for me. Hmm. It was like he was just washing me anew at that moment in time. And believe it or not, here we are four years later, three and a half years later, because it was December of 2016, but three and a half years later, I am living the best life I've ever had. Mm. And I'm making a third of the salary that I made in corporate America. And I'm living in an apartment and I have a vehicle. 
but I have been gifted with so many things that I desired internally mm. that he has blessed me with externally. Mm. Like my job as the children's director of children's ministry for my church dream come true. Mm. But he knew in his greatness that I could not have a job in ministry and live a six-figure income life. Those two things just do not reconcile unless you're in a mega church, which I was not a part of um, and did not plan to be a part of. But coming, stepping on board into my church and the role that they presented to me, I was able to accept it because I didn't have anything. So I had nothing to lose. I was starting to build a new path, a new life, a new direction. So I, I embraced it with both hands and the peace that he gave me about losing the things that were just stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was just a temporal thing, mm -hmm. not a eternal thing. Mm -hmm. So that's what transformation looked like for me, going from temporal to spiritual, eternal greatness. Mm -hmm. And so in that journey, I learned that God has got a plan for all of us. When we step back and get out of God's way and allow him to do what it is that he wants to do to bless us the way that he wants to bless us, we get things that we never even imagined because he does exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask for. Mm -hmm. And I am just so thankful that I was obedient and, and quit trying to be the everything to everybody that I was in those 32 years of corporate America and, and learn to just be who God wanted me to be through him. Mm -hmm. uh, such a powerful, powerful story, Kimberly, that you have, uh, you have lived out your life in such a way that God gets the glory. Oh gosh. I've just lived my life period. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I have a, a question for you, you know, as the, the three of uh, the other three of us have shared our stories, our, our quitting were choices that we made in your situation. Would you say you chose to step out of corporate America or you were, it was chosen for you. It was chosen for me, most definitely. Mm -hmm. My company had gone through a merger. And in that process, they moved to uh, another state for their headquarters. And I could not because of my situation with my children. Mm -hmm. And I was miserable the last 18 months at the job to begin with. Mm -hmm. And I had promised myself when I first started working that I'd never work at a job that I wasn't happy with. Mm -hmm. But I was too scared to lose what I had gained. Mm -hmm. So I was sticking it out. And when they said, either you go or you don't have a job, the choice was made for me. I don't, you know, I'm just not going to have a job because I'm not in a position that I can go. Yeah. Yeah. And yet there was still, you know, different situation than what the rest of us described, but very much still having to come to terms with that. Yes. 
So when that was hard, that was hard. So what was the timeline to give context from like that decision? Okay. I'm not, I'm not going, I'm going to be jobless. And the, the rain that poured down on you. The rain, I lost my job in December of 2016. And the day the rain came was September of 2017. Yeah. So I had had a long season of defeatism, of shame, of withdrawal. Mm-hmm. But then I also had a season within that where I learned love and compassion and empathy for myself. Mm. I was always the one giving those things, never receiving, but I received those things during that time. He did a total transformation. I became dependent on him and others. Mm -hmm. There was no independence there. I was dependent on my church family, my small group, and God. Mm -hmm. And that's how I was able to get through that. But it it took a lot of soul searching, a lot of time in his word. It took a lot of time in the Psalms Mm. where I lamented much like David Mm -hmm. and had to be broken and refined through the fire to come through the other side. and there's still sometimes when I feel like I there's some more refining that has to mm-hmm. be done, you know, but it, it's it's this process, but it's a, a great process. And I look back on it and I have joy because I can see where he took my ashes and made things beautiful. Mm. Mm. So good. It, it makes me think of a conversation I had recently with a really dear friend. I've I've walked through another situation in which I've stepped down from something I was heavily involved in and, and it was a circumstantial like situation, but there was a lot of emotions that were made it kind of like how Mona Jean described. There's a lot of good that you're stepping away from and missed it all. Um, and, and, and I said to her, I just don't know why God would allow me to get involved only to have me not be involved now. And, and she said, well, could it be that there's something that's been through this experience that God has wanted you to learn and a way that he's wanted you to grow? And I said, you know, well, of course, like hindsight, we always, we can always see that in hindsight. And then she, she pointed out that there was this unreconciled piece of my childhood that very much paralleled what I was going through and that I was handling this situation very differently than I would have. Then, then I handled the first situation and I, I just kind of sat there, you know, like when a dog hears a funny sound and kind of cocks his head, like I was like, huh, I didn't think about the connection from my, my adolescence to my adulthood mm-hmm. in that experience. And, and then over the next like 24 hours, my heart just completely welled up at God's kindness that he, he doesn't leave anything unreconciled, Right. So, so that he, he wanted, he was willing to go the distance to provide a place for this kind of level of healing for me that I didn't even see coming. Mm-hmm. And yet I still doubted. I was like, still like, hmm, are you sure, Lord? And then, you know, I'm in graduate school for psychology, for account, become a counselor. I'm in my 
first week of classes where it's group therapy and I'm reading all about how group therapy works. And one of the things about group therapy is that the relationships that are built in a group therapy context tend to emulate over time your, your patterns in your family of origin and can provide a context for functioning in a new way and developing a new way of relating, whether it be in, you know, uh, participant to participant or therapist to participant. And as they were describing in this textbook and, and through the training, like how this works, I was like, oh, so the Lord basically gave me a live group therapy experience to, to, <laughs> to work through some unresolved issues of my childhood whether or not the other people involved in the situation were choosing to cooperate. Uh, and I thought that frames life in a very different context. That when we think of Jesus and the promises that we have from God, that he wants to make us more and more like him. And that God who began a good work in us will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus that the Lord will use any and every situation we find ourselves in for that refinement. And, and, and Kimberly, you talked about that in your experience, but you also called that out in Carly and Mona Jean by saying, you know, how have you been changed through this experience? And, and I do think that is like, that's probably the biggest keeper for me as we've talked in thinking of, you know, if our biggest challenge with stepping down is shame, our biggest win in stepping down is transformation. Right? Amen. That's that's powerful word right there. Yeah. Oh, that's as powerful. That I mean, I got my hair standing up on end because I I've always struggled with that shame piece. What you know, and it's a it's I really do think it's of the enemy. Because he's the one that, that is the accuser and the condemner. And, and the Holy Spirit is the one that's the convictor and the transformer. And so if we are in shame, we are, we are sometimes the Lord will use shame to convict us into right behavior. Paul talks about that often where there's an appropriate sense of like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. That's a good kind of shame. That's, that's the convicting kind as opposed to the you're worth nothing. You, you, you know, nobody will need you. You shouldn't even show your face. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's where that circling the mountain happens because we're anticipating that transformation and transformation and growth is painful and it's stretching. And so sometimes I circle the mountain because I'm like, I don't, I'm not so sure I want to be stretched like this. I don't want to have to do these hard things and grow and learn, even though I know it's good for me in the long run. It's, you know, it's also hard. So sometimes we're like, mm, maybe let's not do that yet. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Uh, that's where we create those ruts. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Good stuff. Anybody have anything that they want to like wrap up with a, a concluding thought before we close? Never think you can't be used because God can use everybody for anything that he so chooses. You are worth so much more than you ever give yourself credit for. Every trial, every tribulation, every struggle 
is just one stepping stone away from where God is trying to take you. So embrace it and allow it and look for the good in it. Mm-hmm. Transformation is power. It is powerful, super powerful. Mona Jean, I, I can see your pretty face. Is there something you wanted to say? Well, when Kimberly was talking about her story and when she looked up into the face of the rain coming down, how many times does God pour out his water on the thirsty land? Mm-hmm. Um, that is a scripture uh, from Isaiah 44, 3. It was just sitting here. Uh, and I guess I had to say it to you that that was from the Lord. Yeah. And I think transformation is like that. Uh, you might get wet, you might get messy, but yet you come out like that monarch, you know, mm. flying to a different place. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that monarch butterfly, it, do, you, do you guys know this uh, story that if you try to set free the chrysalis, of a butterfly, it actually will kill the butterfly because it is the breaking out of that, that it's develops its wings strong enough to be able to fly. And often we'll come back to that and be like, dang it. I wish somebody could just cut me out. Cause I don't want all this effort that it takes, but I also <laughs> want to be able to fly. I don't want to be stuck. Right. And die on the ground. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, ladies, I am so, so, so grateful that you guys shared your hearts and your stories with us. It was an encouragement to me, and I'm sure it's going to be encouragement to the More To Be tribe. I would love to end in prayer. And Carly, would you be willing to close us in prayer? Sure. Dear Lord, I just want to thank you for today. Thank you for this time with these women. that you provide relationship for us to learn from one another, to learn more about you through each other. Um, And I just pray that you would bless the women who are listening to this today, um, that you would speak to them, that you would speak hope to them, and that you would show them where you want to create new beginnings and transformation in their life, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. 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 Ladies, I, once again, I'm just so grateful that you're with us. And I thank you, everyone, for listening to the More To Be podcast. I pray you've experienced a fresh encounter with God and His Word during your time with us today. If you're ready to take the next step in aligning your life with God's best but not sure what that looks like, head over to moretobe.com slash align to take our quiz and find out. May you continue to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus as you seek to